The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the eighth chapter. The Gospel is printed on the back of your bulletin, so you may follow along in your pew Bibles on page 789. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, appealing to him and saying, Lord, my servant is at home, lying paralyzed in terrible distress. And he said to him, I will come and cure him. The centurion answered, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and to the slave does it. When Jesus heard him, he was amazed and said to those who followed him, truly I tell you, in no one in Israel have I found such faith. Word of God, word of life. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So I want to read the, the bulk of our preaching text from Hebrews 11 and 12 uh, in the midst of the preaching this morning. But um, let me just read the first few verses of chapter 11. So again, the reading's printed on the back of your bulletin. If you'd prefer to follow along in your pew Bibles, we start on page 977. I just want to read verses 1 through 3 as we get going here today. The author of Hebrews writes, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. Word of God, word of life. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So heroes. I want to talk about heroes today. Um, as a way of getting into that, there's a cute story I can't resist telling about a Texan who is trying to impress a Bostonian um, on the, the valor of the heroes of the Alamo. And so after finishing the story about uh, Sam Houston and and Davy Crockett and, and some others, the, the, the Texan said to the Bostonian, I, I, I bet you never had anyone so brave around Boston. The Bostonian looked kind of incredulous. He said, well, did you ever hear of Paul Revere? <laughs> Paul Revere, said the Texan, isn't he that guy who ran away looking for help? <laughs> Heroes are important, right? Even if we disagree, on the interpretation of what makes heroes heroes. But uh, of course, I'm not here today to talk about American heroes of the American Revolution or the Texas Revolution. I'm, I'm here to talk today about heroes of faith, right? The people to whom Hebrews, the book of Hebrews was written, they needed heroes. 2,000 years ago, when these words were first written, God's people were experiencing great difficulty in their faith. The temple had been destroyed by Rome. They were experiencing profound persecution. 
If faith in Christ was the right thing, they certainly were having difficulty seeing it. They needed heroes to inspire their faith. Now we have to be careful here, of course, right? We must remember, as the people in the first century needed to remember, that there's a difference between heroes and saviors. Right? The writer of Hebrews has been very careful about such things. He's been careful to remind people that in terms of faith and salvation, all they needed was Christ. That's it. They only needed Jesus Christ. Christ is superior to the Old Testament prophets, priests, and kings. His blood alone redeems us from death. And in fact, the very first word from our reading today reminds us that Christ, the Word of God, created everything we see. What we now see has been made by things that cannot be seen. Christ is not visible, but everything that we see has been made by him and God the Father. And yet, says the author of Hebrews, we still need heroes. And so the, the writer provides this beautiful list of people who believed without seeing, who hoped for what had been promised them, even in difficult times. So follow along with me in your Bibles or in your bulletins as I continue now reading in chapter 11, uh, starting with verse 7. By faith, Noah, warned by God about events as yet unseen, respected the warnings and built an ark to save his household. By this he was condemned by the world and became an heir to the righteousness that is in accordance with, with faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he set out, not knowing where he was going. As the writer of Hebrews seeks examples of people who were faithful despite not seeing, he lifts up Noah, who ordinarily would have seen no good reason to build an ark. Why expend the effort if it's not raining? The word warned of danger and pointed to deliverance, but neither could be seen. And the word evoked Noah's willingness to trust and act faithfully for the sake of an unseen future. The writer of Hebrews also lifts up Abraham and lifts up Sarah and, and how they were called from their home toward a land they could not see. It was the promise of God that moved them to do this. Right? Will your faith be so inspired? That's the question in between the lines. But don't answer now. Right? Don't answer yet. The author seems to be saying he's got more good examples. He continues with chapter 11, verses 23 to 31. We skip over some even uh, other great examples. But here, this author skips to verse 23. Follow along, please. By faith, Moses was hidden by his parents for three months after his birth because they saw the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered abuse suffered for the Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, unafraid of the king's anger, for he persevered as though he saw him who was invisible. 
By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land, but when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell after they'd been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. Here Moses is lifted up as another example. Actually, his parents are lifted up first, right? Their faith to place their son in a basket and trust God to deliver him. They had no visible sign to assure them, right? They simply trusted. And when Moses grew up, Moses had no reason to be faithful in the face of the most powerful empire on the planet, except for God's word, right? And his faith inspired those who had passed through the Red Sea. They had no reason to believe that the water would stay parted, that they could walk across on dry land, except for God's word, right? spoken through Moses. So it was with the Israelites when they attacked the walled cities of Jericho, with Rahab, who sheltered the spies. They had no assurance of safety or victory apart from God's word. Will you be so faithful? Will, will your faith be so Inspired. Don't answer yet, right? The author of Hebrews says once again there's more and provides this flourish of faithful heroes from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 to 38. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went out in skins of sheep and goat and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in caves and holes in the ground. With these words, the writer of Hebrews seeks to inspire these people to whom he's writing in crisis. These people who cannot see the fruit of faith with their own eyes. Right? They're, he wants to say to them, they're not alone. They come from a long line of people who were faithful in the midst of crisis and turmoil. They needed heroes of faith to inspire them. And you know what? We need heroes of faith to inspire us. But I think as Lutherans, we've been sort of conditioned to not have faith heroes. Right? One of the pieces of the Reformation was the insistence that we don't, we don't pray to saints. We don't ask the saints to watch over us. We don't regard dead loved ones as guardian angels. We have Christ. We have Christ alone. That's enough, right? But we tend to forget that while we don't pray to those who've gone before us, we can be inspired by their faith. We need heroes of faith, right? Because, to be honest, faith is hard. There are days when we struggle with all kinds of, of trouble and chaos, painful experiences, bitter pain and sorrow, there are days when the 
when the sin and the sickness of this world in our lives just bog us down in unbelievable ways. And if we're to have any faith at all, we'll need heroes to inspire our faith. We need extraordinary heroes, people whose faith inspired them in such amazing ways that we cannot help but have our own faith encouraged. I will never pray to Mother Teresa, but I find her faith, the faith that compelled her to help the poorest of the poor in Calcutta, all while being so humble, um, so inspiring to my own faith. If Christ shaped her, I want Christ to shape my life too. And we need not just extraordinary heroes, we need ordinary heroes too. I think about how my, my grandfather, Olson, my mother's dad, uh, Gilbert was his name. Uh, my grandma called him Gil. His brother was killed in a car accident on the same day that he heard his prostate cancer had reoccurred and he now had six months to live. But he remained faithful. His faith compelled him to farm with integrity, to treat those around him with, um, with compassion and decency. I don't believe that he's one of my guardian angels or anything like that, but his simple faith inspires my faith. And I hope to pass faith on in the same gentle and inspiring way to my kids and my grandkids. In the same way, I want you to imagine this morning two or three people who inspire you who give you cause to believe things you cannot see, to be assured of the ultimate things you hope for. Those people are gifts to you and your faith. But now I want you to do more than just be thankful for heroes of faith this morning. I want you to ask a challenging question of yourself today. Might we be the next generation's faith heroes? Will there, will there be faith heroes for the next generation? Not without some effort, I suppose. Not without some sacrifice, I suppose. But before us stands many opportunities for inspirational, heroic faith to be expressed in our lives. Every day we have a chance for our homes to be, become centers of faith. Places where prayer is spoken, where families listen to each other's uh, highs and lows, maybe to share a verse of scripture, to bless one another, to practice some ritual anyway. Next week, our Relay for Life team will be doing their part to raise money and awareness and support to those who are battling cancer and for their families too. What great work they do as witnesses. In a month's time, it will be uh, time for us to launch our program year again, to embark on some, some new work on Wednesday evenings with with regular meals and worship. We'll be doing service projects in our community in September again under the theme of God's work, our hands. We'll pick up again with so many of our long-practiced ministries like choir and confirmation too. Week after week, we'll gather as the faithful, not just for our own sake, but to be sent out, right, to be God's workers and witnesses in the world. So many chances for our faith to be active and alive, to be expressed in, in an inspirational, even heroic way. All right, we need heroes of faith. We need to be heroes of faith. For as our reading from Hebrews continues, we hear that our heroes of faith inspire us in this life that can often be like an endurance race. 
And we need people who keep pointing us to Christ, who keep inspiring us to hope in the face of adversity and struggle. So just listen to these final words from Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's be inspired by the faith of our ancestors, the faith of those around us, and let our faith be such that it inspires others too. Let our faith be made perfect by Christ Jesus, the one who has brought God himself near in order that we might be people of profound hope and peace. Let it be so. In the name of Jesus.